I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over, well over 25 years. Through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories, lots of ideas that are going to help you and your family create a very unique and wonderful landscape. Right. You know, um, on my on my answering machine or voicemail, whatever, um, if I'm not in the office, it says I'm, um, I'm either with the client or out in the field. And you know what? Today, Michael Glassman is sitting out in the field. I am. I'm watching my my wife ride her horse or my horse, and I figured what a perfect opportunity. It's the wind isn't blowing, the sun is out, there are no clouds, and it's absolutely beautiful here. And I'm looking at beautiful mountains and oak trees, and um, what a perfect place to do a podcast. Yeah, so that's that's great. Um, I'm not out in the field, so anyway, but I'm I'm pretty comfortable. You know, I wanted to talk about. Um, why or what is it like to work with a landscape designer? Why would you bother? What can we do for you? What do we do for you? What's the next step dealing with contractors and so on and so forth? So um, I think a lot of people um, maybe even have a little trepidation about working with the landscape designer. Um, but honestly, it's the best way to get what you want done done. Wouldn't you say, Mike? Oh, I would. I would. And, and the way I kind of liken it to um, a lot of people, and in the past, people didn't hire professionals. But here's the thing. It's like taking a road trip, going on vacation, though it would be nice if we could go on vacation with COVID. But um, if you're going to go on a vacation, you're going to take a road trip in a car. <clears throat> and you know where you ultimately want to go. Uh, let's say, for example, you're going to go to a national park or Yosemite or someplace. Well, it's great because you know where ultimately you want to end up. But in terms of design, um, if it's like, as I was saying, it's like a roadmap. If you don't know the roads, if you don't know how to get there, if you don't know the procedure, you can be driving around going to this destination for hours, getting lost, making the wrong turns. But if you've got a roadmap and it tells you exactly what, what highways, what roads to go on, you'll get there. You may take some detours, but you will get there. And that's what hiring a professional does. It gives you a roadmap that you can ultimately get what you want. And you may deviate a little bit. You may take some, some detours, but at least it gives you something to go by. So you're not just driving or, in this case, um, putting plants in the wrong place, putting a patio um, uh, in the wrong location. All of these things that can go wrong, that can cost you a lot of time, a lot of grief, a lot of aggravation, and a lot of money are avoided if you hire a professional to give you this roadmap. Okay, so let's break it down. So, and um, I'll start with my process. When a customer or clients call me to have a new landscape, let's say they've already decided, okay, we're going to hire this landscape designer. We like, we've seen her work. We like, you know, what she does or what he does. Um, the process is this. Uh, myself or Michael, well, Michael, you could talk after me, but um, sure. I meet I meet you at your house and the, the, you know, when I'm walking up to your house, I'm looking at what's there. I might not even be 
asked to work on the front yard. But anyway, I like to notice the architecture. I like to notice what's there. And then the, I think the most important thing is asking questions and listening to what my clients want. Because it's in that time when you're working with either one of us that you tell us, what, what do you want in your yard? What do you dream of? What do you, you know, do you want a pool? Do you want an outdoor kitchen? Do you want raised gardens? Do you need terracing? I mean, is the sun just beating into your house? That conversation is the, is the start. And I think it's the same with you, right, Michael? I agree. In fact, when I first come, I do a, a consultation. I do the same thing. I ask people, what do you want? What are you looking for? And at the same time, same thing as as you were saying, I look around and look for problems. Is there a privacy problem? Is there a two-story house um, just kind of looking, looming down on you? Do you have drainage problems? Are there low spots? Is there erosion? Um, what is going on with your yard that in addition to solving your problems and solving these uh, and finding solutions, it's giving you what you want, but at the same time solving the problems? True. Now, um, there, when we're looking at the yard, and let's say you're in an older home or you bought an older home and there's an old deck and there's this and that, uh, very often neither one of us can see what's underneath until it actually comes out. Right. So, um, so we might have a design in mind and even you know do a design and then come to find out that where we had something placed, uh, there's an old septic tank or you know under the deck there's all kinds of concrete and um, with the process of designing and I usually I after that conversation I um, and an intern and I we photograph we measure we look at the sun exposure and then draft the plan according to that conversation now one thing that 99% of my clients ask is for me to ballpark the price of what it's going to cost for installation and you have to understand that Michael and I are designers, even though we've been doing this for years and we know most of the price points, we are not installers. So labor is a whole other ball of wax. And ball park parking is a tricky thing, especially now because of COVID. So I'll let you take over for there. Right. And the big thing that people need to realize is prices change depending on the season, depending on the circumstances. When there's not a lot of work and, and someone wants to get the, the contract, the contractor wants to get it, they may lower their prices. Like, for example, usually come fall and winter, things slow down. And so that would be the time that, uh, that the contractors would maybe lower their prices because some of them, and this is an interesting thing, rather than paying their workers on an hourly, they put them on salary. So they're paying them whether they work or not. Well, if it's the winter time and the and it's inclement weather, um, and they're staying at home and and sitting at home not working, they're still paying them. So a lot of times the contractors will say, "Well, I really would like the job, and I'd like to do the work, and so hence I'll lower my prices so that even if we can't do five days a week or four days a week because of inclement weather, we can at least keep the guys busy two and three days a week." And so I'm not paying them for sitting at home and doing nothing. COVID's changed everything. Now, because everyone is at home and everyone wants is looking out, outside, they're not going on vacation because there's no place to go on vacation. They're not, they're staying at home and, and as they shut down more and, and they're doing more shelter in place, people are looking at their yards and going, this place is ugly, or 
I've got to make the best of it as I possibly can. So whereas originally I thought that because of COVID, everything would slow down and business would either either end or go or or we'd be struggling. It's just the opposite. Nurseries have gone gangbuster. Contractors have gone gangbuster. My business and I know Roberta's also has gone gangbuster because people want are staying at home and they want to do it. So nowadays the prices are going up. They're not going down. So whereas you used to get a bargain in the fall and winter and you'd get the best prices for your contractors. Now their prices are at a premium. In fact, I just heard one of my contractors was telling me um, he got a bid for a spa, an in-ground spa, which normally for something like a, a nine by 10 foot in-ground spa, gunite with a little bit of a wall behind it and a sheet of water, that should have been like 30 35,000, which is still very expensive. He yeah. just got a bid from two pool companies. They wanted $54,000 for yeah. a spa. We're not it's, talking about a pool. We're talking about an eight by nine foot spa in ground. They wanted fifty-two dollars to $54,000. That's insane. This isn't insane. But um, another aspect of what's going on, and I, you know, that's totally insane. But um, because of COVID and so many people staying home, the, um, the supply houses can't readily get supplies as easily as they used to. Right. So, you know, they're being trucked in from different states, you know, the rock, the stone, the whatever, the bark. Um, and so that's that's added to the, the increase in price. Now, with all the construction going on, not just our business, but there's tons of new build going on in our Sacramento area. And so concrete is very difficult to get and sometimes we're scheduled six weeks out and yes the price has gone up and so getting back to the point of asking about a ballpark I found myself really off recently because things have changed so um, you have to understand that if you have a certain budget and you cannot go over it you let us know because we're advocates for you. We want to design within your budget. It doesn't behoove you or me or Michael to design something that's four times the amount of what you can actually afford. So don't. Right. Absolutely. The other thing is if you truly want something amazing and you're willing to wait for it, you may have to phase it in. So phase one, you do one thing. Phase two, you do another thing. I have clients right now that are basically, they're saying that they don't just want to do concrete patios. They would like to have porcelain tile, or they would like to have slate, or they'd like to have something to beautify it a lot more than just plain concrete or even stamped concrete. So what they're doing is they're pouring their understory, they're pouring their rat slab, um, and, and they're telling the contractor that within the next six months, they will then have the contractor come back in, put what's called a ditra or a ditra mat, which is like a a webbed mat that that's an insulator. So if the concrete begins to shift or crack and you put a tile on top of it, it'll absorb the cracking so that the tile won't crack. Um, and they can come in at any time, put the ditra mat down, and then they go ahead and mortar the, the tile or the slate or the travertine on top of that. But the difference being is the concrete would be like six, seven, eight dollars a square foot installed, whereas then you add the tile or the slate or the porcelain, and that may be another just for the materials, maybe another three to six dollars, and then you add labor on top of that, which might mat be the same thing. So you could ultimately do your project in phases and still get what you want. 
Exactly. And, you know, you could phase it over, out over five years. It really, it just depends on what you want to do. But um, building a landscape, getting a full design, and then getting full quotes, then you start to say, okay, um, what, what's our priority? No matter what your priority is, and it could be that section, first the under structure has to go in, which is your drainage, your irrigation, and um, your hardscape. That's going to be um, the first things that you want in. But let's say you get that in and you get your trees and screening plants, nothing else. Well, that's your start. Maybe, you know, next year or after, if you get a tax return, then you could do another five, ten thousand dollars $10,000. You see, a landscape design is like a treasure map. It has everything and it leads you right to the treasure. But it might take you time to get there because of your finances, but you'll get there. It won't look helter-skelter. It won't look like patchwork. You won't be pulling things out, nor will you be destroying something that's already been put in in a new section. <laughs> Absolutely. And what she's saying is so true. So, for example, let's say you've always dreamed of having an outdoor kitchen or an outdoor fireplace or fire pit. And instead of using propane, you decide you would like to do something with natural gas. So in the middle of a party, you don't run out of propane and then you you're out of luck because every place that sells it is closed. So you know that you want to do a gas fireplace. You want to do a gas fire pit. You want to do a gas barbecue. Well, you can't afford to do those right now, but you can plan for it. So one of the things that you can do is you can run the gas line, cap it off where, where the fireplace or the fire pit or the barbecue is going to go. It's run underground. It's tested so that it's all secure. They cap it off. And so a year from now, six months from year up from now, when you're ready to install that amenity, the gas line is already run. So all you do is basically buy the amenity and you, you hook it in. The benefit of that is if you poured your patio and you didn't plan for that and then you decided you wanted to put in a gas fireplace or a gas fire pit or a barbecue, um, but you didn't put the gas line in, you either it would have to go all the way around the patio, which costs twice as much, or you'd have to try to saw cut part of the patio or jackhammer a section of the patio. That's a waste. That's money that's down the toilet. So if you plan ahead, same thing with electrical. If you plan on running electrical outlets um, and you want to put transformers or you want to put um, GFIs or outlets that you want to eventually add, say, a fountain that's going to run off of a pump. But you can't afford to do the fountain right now if you run the electrical and cap it off so that at any time you can go ahead and add that. That's money well spent because at any time you can add that. Right. And your plan is going to show you or show the contractor where to run these things. So that's part of the underlayment. Now, getting back to the whole um, why you hire a designer, I mean, those are very, very important points. But the last couple of weeks, Michael and I were talking about plants and color through the seasons. We know what blooms when, how big things get, what is deciduous, what is non-deciduous. We design in that that dream of a garden that you want. And there's no going to the store and buying pretty flowers and having them die. Right. You know, mistake is people go and it's like trees um, or shrubs. You look at them, they're, they're pretty, they're either in fall bloom, they're in spring bloom or they're in fall color, but you don't do your due diligence or you don't even know where to start. So you put a tree too close to the foundation of your house or too close to the roof of your house and 
when it's young, it's fine. But as it grows and gets bigger, it eventually will blow out your foundation or blow out your roof line. And, and the end result is you either have to take the tree out. So that's a waste of time. It's a waste of money and it's a waste of resources. Or you got to fix and you've got to fix the damage that the tree has done. Well, by hiring a professional, we'll say, no, you can't put that um, willow tree, that birch tree, um, five feet from the house. Um, also, nowadays, and, and we have to be very knowledgeable because, like I was, I was with clients today who are having. They're in Granite Bay. It's a section of Sacramento, but they're in in a very woodsy area, and they were having problems getting fire insurance because they're native oaks that are around the property, and the the the. It, fire insurance people, the insurance people are saying, no, we don't feel your environment is safe. And so as a professional, Roberta and myself are now becoming aware of what you can do to make that property, make that house safe so that it's not, so it's less fire, fire, um, you know, it's more fire retardant. It's, yeah, it's not vulnerable. Yes, there's that. Um, as well as um, being informed about your setbacks and what the city and the county require. I was um, asked, I was a contractor called me, they were adding onto a house, but a big addition to the extent that the, the county wanted a landscape plan. So this poor contractor who had already bid the job now had to put out the money for a landscape design that would comply with the city. So before you get into it, it's, you know, that's why you hire us. We know what's what you're in for and um that's very important so i feel that and i tell my clients this if you're going to spend the money to have a new landscape you want to do it once and never have to do it again and so, you want to use sustainable materials that you're not putting money out and then finding that they're falling apart or they're breaking down so you yeah. may ultimately want to spend a little bit more upfront so that you get the value in the future and and one of the things that Roberta was saying which is so important she was mentioning setbacks where you're allowed to build accessory and primary structures the city or the county has those and the truth is if if you ignore that you just go helter skelter and build something. And I, I will tell you a story. My my in-laws live in um, Northern California. It's Marin County. And in Marin County, what's really interesting is they're very, very strict in terms of their setbacks and their restrictions of what you can and can't do to the point where you need to, like my in-laws needed to replace an old 40-year-old redwood deck um, because the old deck was falling apart. So we actually did a plan and they had to get a permit for it. And the city of uh, Marin said, you can no longer use redwood. You have to use a non-combustible material to build your deck. So it would be a synthetic that doesn't burn. You no longer can put wooden rails to keep people from falling off the deck because the deck is 15 feet in the air. You had to use metal rails or some sort of a metal that wouldn't burn. There were so many restrictions. All the underpinnings had to be done in steel. Um, it brought the cost of the, of the project up considerably, and we actually had to make a smaller deck. The reason I'm telling you this is they got it done, and, and it took twice as long. Their neighbors 
next door to them didn't pay any attention and started to build their project, built a deck, built this, built that. And the city got wind of it, came out there and set, put a red tag on their job and said, cease and desist. And now they had to, all of this redwood deck that they put in, they have to tear down. The overhead that they built, they have to tear down. And the city, unless they put new plans and followed the requirements, basically said, you can't build anything there. So this beautiful, all the money that they spent, all of this planning that they didn't have a professional say, no, you can't do this, has literally gone down the toilet. Right, right. Michael, do you know if um, TimberTech is non-flammable? Uh... Yes, TimberTech is, in fact, that was the material. I'm glad you mentioned it. It's a manufacturer. It's called TimberTech. They have two of their products is non-flammable, and that's what we had to spec out when we were when we were doing my in-laws is one of the, the non-flammable TimberTech products. It's beautiful, and it looks like wood, but it doesn't burn. And yeah, not only that, it will never rot. It will never give you splinters. You don't have to paint it. And you know, I've been on this soapbox for many, many years, and here it is. The Redwood Forests, the Redwood Empire, we have less than 13% of it left on the planet. Okay, right. so it's time to start shifting to something more sustainable. Is it, you know, uh, TimberTech is... Um, I don't think it's any more expensive than heartwood redwood. You can oh, use no. In fact, in fact, it's almost impossible to find good heart redwood anymore. And you're right. It is one of the most expensive materials. TimberTech is less expensive than a hardwood called Epe. TimberTech is about the same price. There is a, a product called Dasso, which is a um, which is a bamboo. It's a synthetic. It, they take bamboo canes. Uh, the timber bamboo, they put it under pressure, they infuse it with resin that they make bowling balls, and they actually cut it into um, wood and um, make planking, siding, and everything. And that is also sustainable. It has a lifespan of about 40 years. You can hit it with a hammer and it bounces. Um, and But it's more expensive than you know, like cedar or fir or any of that. But it the sustainability factor is unbelievable. I love TimberTech because not only does it come in different colors, let's say you want the gray tones or dark brown or a mocha brown, it comes in different colors and it's got different textures available. And I've used it also, um, you know, when it's nice and warm or we warm it up, you could actually use it in a radius. So if you're using wood, everything has to be geometric unless it's just sawed off into a half circle. So there's um, there's so many things that you could do with TimberTech. Um, once you do that, not only is it sustainable because it's a recycled plastic composite. Absolutely. And that was the thing. My in-laws, their old Redwood deck, they every three to five years had to sand it and restain it or paint it or, or something like that. I mean, the one thing that I will say is their heart redwood lasted 40 years, which is pretty amazing. In fact, we didn't get rid of it. We actually took all of that old redwood that was still, it was under, you know, it had been painted and stained and we saved all of it. We didn't get rid of it. We're actually using it, um, sanding it and cutting it 
and using it for inside for a re part of our remodel so that again it, it it has some significance because it's part of my wife's parents 40 year old deck and that's now going to be part and, and used in the remodel of our house for decoration what they're doing is they're using a bandsaw and cutting veneer and using a veneering it on shelves and on a mantle and everything so there's some history there but and I will tell you what's amazing is the contractor said to me, they've never, it's 40 to 50 years old. They've never seen wood this magnificent. And he, he basically said, you can never get this anymore. The, yep. As exactly what Roberta said, the redwood forests are being decimated. They're almost all gone. And the old 50-year-old redwood, once it's gone, you'll never get it back. And no matter how much you pay for it, it it's not available. So we've got something that's not only sustainable now, but we're reusing something that's 50 years old. And um, heart redwood, that's redwood that comes from the heart of trees that are over 200 years old. So, you know, people say, oh, it's a renewable resource, but not in, not in our lifetime. So anyway, um, being sustainable, there's so much available these days, and it really is important not only um, to consider the environment, but also to consider what you're paying for and how long it's going to last. So again, right. I like to do it once, not have to do it again. If you're going to build a wall, uh, redwood deck 15, 20 years down the line, it's going to rot and you're going to have to do it again. So, And know. so that's one of the reasons talking about hiring a professional, um, especially a designer, will know these things. I mean, one of the things that both of us do is we're constantly hearing about new products and checking the, the validity and the and how valuable some of the new products. Some of them are a fluke that, you know, they'll come in and they'll go out, but others of them will have a long lasting quality to them. And so we'll know about them probably before the public will. We can recommend them and say, yes, this is a really great product. I will say court and steel is something that's become in vogue and it's a great product because it's something that lasts a long period of time. Right. The only the only hitch is um, because of the tariffs now in place from China, the cost of steel is has gone up. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Yeah. I mean, again, everything is everything is a is a, a cost a, a cost ratio. And you're absolutely right. Product. I mean, I had one client again. It was in the Loomis area that we had designed a wonderful yard, and I went to see it, and they hadn't done a lot of it. And I said, well. Uh, you have a contractor, what's going on? She goes, we couldn't get concrete. In fact, where we were, they were auction that we had to join an auction. And every week they were auctioning off the next, whoever won the auction or whoever won it um, would get their concrete pour. And she said, we needed all this concrete. So we had to apply two different times to two different auctions. So this is what's going on, folks. So we're here to serve you. I mean, being a landscape designer, is a service business. I serve my clients and um, I want to make sure that I translate what you want onto a scale drafted drawing so that contractors could read it and put in exactly what I've designed, which means it's what you've paid for. So working with a designer now, a landscape designer, has become quite common where in the past it wasn't. So if you have any any thoughts or fears, contact us. We're, we're happy to have the conversation. Uh, my website, which is robertawalker.com, I explain the whole process, and I have a services page that this is on. And I also am pretty transparent, so I list my prices just so you get an idea. However, Michael and I can only 
give an idea, an indication of our prices until we're actually on your job and we see how much land we're dealing with and how many structures you want, et cetera, et cetera. Is that right? Right, absolutely. And and my website is michaelglassman.com. And um, again, you can email me at glassmanlandscapes, plural, um, at gmail.com. But it's the same thing. We start with a one-hour consultation. And from during the consultation, at that point, I can tell you what it would cost to develop this master plan with all of the bells and whistles and everything. And, you know, and as Roberta said, at that time, you, you talk about the things you want, what you don't want, how you want to phase the project in. And the funny thing is a lot of my clients you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start out with the Mercedes, you know, with all the bells and whistles and everything. And then once they get their bids, we'll make changes, you know, they'll say, well, I can't afford that. So take this out or let's change this material to something less expensive. And we'll do that. That's part of the plan. But the funny thing is, then I'll go back at a certain point to check the project and there are a lot of times when I'll go, wait a minute, you took out the travertine, you took out the tile, and you were just doing stamped concrete. And they go, oh, well, we figured this is our dream home, so we put back the travertine. And a lot of my clients, after the fact, after we've made the changes, after they've gotten their bids down and, and they've gotten the prices down, will turn around and put back in the things that they took out because they realized they really wanted those. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have a plan, you can make these decisions. And you can also pair things down, you could put them back. But this structure, the basis has gone in already according to plan. So Exactly. Yeah. So I I thought this would be a good idea in case you weren't familiar with um, what it's like to work with a landscape designer. I want to take the fear out of it because we are people that love to create beauty and we want to make it so we create it and it lasts and it's the garden of your dreams. Absolutely. So you can ask us any questions. You could go to our website, which is www.blueberry.net. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.net. And you can also find us on Instagram and also on Facebook. And we would love to answer your questions. So Absolutely. Just, you know, let us know and we'll talk about whatever you'd like to hear. But it's been a... A wonderful, beautiful day here. I hate to say that for anyone that's listening in the East Coast because winter has hit. <laughs> and so here I was out gardening today in the 60s. It was just beautiful. And like I said, Michael's been sitting in a field. So I'm sitting in a field, yep, watching the horses ro um, ride around in the arena. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. And we're digging, digging deep. deep.